Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Transforming Trauma, a space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to learn about creative ways to find support, resources, and share their stories. Transforming Trauma is about love, healing, community, and also joy and possibility. Most importantly, it's about transforming your pain into power one day at a time. I'm Eve, a survivor and coach working with survivors through one-on-one support, sharpen your skills sessions, through the Rachel Grant Beyond Surviving program. I help survivors to integrate skills, overcome resistance they might be feeling, and support them around obstacles or places they're feeling stuck. I'm so excited to have Hillary here with me as a guest. We'll be chatting about the incredible practices, resources, and lessons she's learned in her healing over the years. She's been a very encouraging voice since she started listening to the podcast, and we first met through a drop-in support group in Boston. We were two of the youngest people in the room and naturally gravitated towards one another. Um, So here's a little bit more about Hillary. She's a recent graduate studying social and hoping to work in the social work field. She's a survivor of sexual trauma, which has been an ongoing recovery process. She's recently cut some family off about a year ago and made some enormous strides in her healing and self-discovery, trying many different forms of therapy, medication, She focuses on holistic methods of healing now, yoga, mindfulness, and plant medicines. So without further ado, want to say hi, Hillary? Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to to be on, and I've been listening for so long, so it's great to be a part of it. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I'm really, even though we've, we've met and chatted a bit, I feel like there's so much that I haven't gotten to ask you, so this is really exciting for me to learn about what's what's worked for you and what challenges you've faced over the years. Um, so why don't we start, start with, you've, you've mentioned to me about trauma, this idea that trauma is stored in, in your body and how that's been a big part of, of your healing process. So besides meditation and yoga or, or just tell me what, what's been useful for you and tell, tell me about sure. that part of your healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had heard before that uh, trauma gets stored in the body, but then uh, I guess maybe six months ago or something, uh, I read the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score, uh, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma uh, by Bessel van der Kolk, and that was super helpful for me just seeing how it actually really is connected, um, and just how it, it's stored in like our upper back and shoulder, as well as our uh, pecs and like our chest also the the pelvic area um so i definitely i do a lot of yoga all different kinds but trauma yoga has been really helpful uh 
which I do on oh, YouTube. What, or, can can yeah. you say more about trauma yoga? And I'm just I'm really interested in what you're saying because even though I've read the book, which I highly recommend, I'll include that in the show notes. And I know what you mean about trauma being stored in the body. I didn't know about the particular areas, and I'm I'm curious does trauma yoga focus on those areas, or what does that mean exactly? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the trauma yoga focuses on that. Um, it's uh, it's different poses just based on uh, like what helps to release anxiety and trauma from those body parts. But uh, it's honestly, not that different from like vinyasa. There's just certain poses that are left out that can uh, be triggering. Uh, but I guess what helped me what's helped me release the most trauma in my body, um, those areas that I mentioned that I've focused on is Qigong, uh, which is pretty similar to Tai Chi. Chi. It helps uh, get the energy flowing and starts with three-part breathing and then you you do kind of like, my favorite thing to do is kind of like pounding down your legs and on those areas and then going up throughout your whole body and pecking at the back. Uh, It sounds (laughs) weird just talking it out, but there's a lot of good videos on on YouTube uh, that help release it. And it's like when I'm doing it, it I start like burping a lot, and I can feel all the tension releasing. It's it's pretty amazing, actually. That is, um, that is amazing. And did you discover yeah. this practice through YouTube, or how did you come across uh, it? Well, actually, my friend, uh, another survivor of trauma, recently got certified as a Qigong instructor, and probably the past year or so has been telling me and showing me different poses and then um, so sometimes I've done it with him and learned through him and then after reading that book I got even more interested and there are a lot of videos on YouTube. I haven't been that successful finding a a good studio in this area but I am lucky to have a a friend who's certified so mostly through him but definitely videos as well and now there's a bunch of basic ones that I just know by heart by now so I'll try to do that. the top three every morning and sometimes at night too. Um, it definitely it makes such a difference. Just helps get my circulation flowing and just really makes a huge difference, especially with my uh, back and neck. Mm-hmm. That's been very very helpful. That's great. I didn't know that there were specific studios dedicated to that, but I have heard a lot about Qigong and Tai Chi in recent years. I know that they're ancient traditions, but it makes sense, especially what you're talking about with, with breath work and just the mind-body connection. I know that I often hold my breath and just being in a yoga class or doing a practice where I get to focus on my breath or my body it can be really transformative for my day and obviously totally. has implications for, for how you relate to people in your life and just like kind of the the metaphor of these practices in our, in our lives. Um, so thanks for... Totally for sharing that. I hope, um, yeah. I mean, I know that it can be hard to start a new, a new practice. And even if we know these things are good for us, sometimes there are days where it's like the last thing you want to do. So what kind of helps you get, get to the practice when you're really not feeling well, like it? Yeah. So I guess I just, I've, I've really tried to make it a discipline. Like I, I, I make a lot of to-do lists, which I never used to be into, but the past year or so, I, I really just write out, like, all right, I'm just going to do, you know, even if it's a five-minute Qigong thing in the morning, and 
a 10-minute meditation at night, something like that, just a way to keep myself accountable. I'm a big fan of having, like, an accountability buddy. Uh, one of my friends, we we text each other every day, like, saying, oh, I, I just meditated, and then the other one hasn't. It's like, oh, yeah, thank you for the reminder. Let's do it now. Um, so honestly, having buddies to just check in with about doing it or, or going to a yoga class together or yeah, I love that. That's so huge. It's so it's made such a difference because otherwise I'm just like, oh well, I just won't do it, and then I I don't even realize how much it's affecting me. And and like you said with the the breathing, I I didn't realize for so long that I'm often just holding my breath like in an anxious way. Until now that I've gotten more into things like this, I'm so much more aware of my posture. Just. Mm-hmm. And how much it, it affects everything. <laughs> yeah, I I often think about just when it's really snowy in Massachusetts and you're freezing and your shoulders are all tensed up and they're by your ears and like your breath is short, like that in contrast to like being at the beach on like a summer day and like how my breath is and oh I just God. think of those like two images and how I feel when I'm at the beach and I'm breathing in the the air and smelling the ocean and. And just like, but that's sort of what I'm going for. So to really pay attention to, to my breath and smell, oh, taking the opportunity to smell the flowers, as cheesy as that might sound, or I oh, walk in and my roommates cook something to really notice my breath because I just don't notice it throughout the day. Right, I know. Me either. It's 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 amazing how how much I didn't notice it, and I'm sure you can relate. Which. Also, when I do meditations, I, I do a lot of guided meditations, and some of them, as I'm sure you know, are, are focused on just breathing in, breathing out, and going through your body, and that, that's really helped me get more in tune with how, how to breathe properly, like, in from yeah, the Yeah, I think, I think I've heard and read, though, like, a lot of survivors can struggle with just meditation that's not guided, that sometimes right. it's not safe to feel in your body, or... You yeah. go into this somewhat like dissociative space where you're not really like paying attention to your breath or body. This has happened yep. to me a lot. I don't know where I go. It's over and everyone else who I'm meditating with has some like interesting experience. And I'm like, uh, I think oh, I was just meditating. So I like guided meditations kind of like you're describing. And I think yeah. you had written to me that you've also found Tara Brock. So I'll put her in the show oh, notes because she's yes. the best and she's a, a psychotherapist and has free podcasts and videos. Um, is there something in particular that you love about her? Oh, I, I love <laughs> she, has, she has a video for everything I could ever need help with. Like <laughs> she really goes she has so many different things about self love and like healing from toxic relationships, toxic behavior, just overcoming trauma. Just she has so much to say and like often if, if I'm not feeling up to, you know, doing a guided meditation or I just I feel like I'm I'm too panicked or something like that and I can't relax, I'll I'll listen to her. Um or another person I love is Wayne Dyer, uh a spiritual influencer who also has a lot of great talks about, you know, freeing yourself from your past and healing and all of that and often if I just can't find the, the strength to do one of my practices I'll just put them on and that's usually very uh, soothing so yeah absolutely their voices are so soothing I'm thinking of how some people really like to have 
like background TV noise when they're going to sleep or when they're in the kitchen yep. and sometimes when I'm driving or I, I've just put these podcasts on and I don't think I'm always listening to the words, but sometimes it's like Tara's voice that just reminds me, like it just puts me in this calm state. And I was also going to say, I recently played a podcast meditation by Jack Cornfield on equanimity for a friend who was going through a really traumatic time and she came out of the room where she was staying in and she was like, I need to listen to that every single day. So that's <laughs> another one to, to check out Jack Cornfield. That's some really good ones. Yeah. I will check out. yeah, that's how that's how I feel about both Tara Brock and Wayne Dyer. I listen to Wayne Dyer going to bed every night. I listen to his uh, 10 principles um, about living a full life. It's, it's all pre-general, but it just there's just something so soothing about it. And it's, it's funny because I, I think I'll routine it and then I'll be freaking out, you know, not breathing all of that. And then I put it on and I'm like, oh, yeah. Right. This is this is how it goes, and it's just it always helps me relax at night because night is uh, definitely my my hardest time. Mm, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I don't want to take. I know there's so much to talk about, but I did want to mention about Bessel van der Kolk because you you mentioned his book, and I was just thinking about it the other day. In the introduction, I believe he talks about child abuse being like an epidemic and he references the ACEs study which is stands for adverse childhood experiences and there's just been so much research over the years and it's kind of been ignored like there's really not been so much attention from the media or funding and I I've I don't I have this theory that it's because it's it's so complex and people don't want to think about children being harmed and the right. implications in our families and communities and our school right. systems and our sports teams and our churches so we just, it's, it's like if, yeah. if, if we face it, if like we, if everybody starts to acknowledge how often it is happening, and it's just like exactly, it's such a terrifying thought to people who don't want to acknowledge it. Um, I mean, yeah, and it's expensive because there there are a lot of yeah. costs that come along with it, and unfortunately, long term health outcomes. Not to like depress everyone listening, but a lot of us do struggle with autoimmune conditions or other kind of somatic yeah. symptoms, and that's real, and the solution is not to ignore it, but rather to prevent it. I don't think right. we can just ignore all of us who are who are still struggling with it, but there's a lot to be yeah. done, and I think he compares it to the smoking epidemic and how society kind of rallied around this public health issue, and that child abuse is also a public health issue. It's such a public health issue, and we can only hope that, you know, with this whole Me Too movement, everything else going on recently, that we we are headed in that direction where people are acknowledging it more and more. But it's it's really pretty uh, insane how how often it's ignored. Because I mean, even yeah. with the Me Too movement, that's more about not always child abuse or within the family or things like that. It's it's a really difficult topic and. But that doesn't yeah. mean ignored. I mean, I feel like we could talk about this for a while because I always, <laughs> I often say this on the podcast too. You probably heard me say it. Like, the, there's not always space in a Me Too movement for people who don't feel safe to say Me Too. Right. And what does that mean? Like that. I mean, I think that there are survivors who are still getting a lot of strength, but I've also, I wonder if there's like a backlash too. I've heard of a lot of people saying, "Well, now I want to confront my abuser or this family member or this person," and I kind of fear for them because I don't feel like 
everyone, I mean, that's not something you just do quickly. And I, right. I think that there's, there is a little bit of a dark edge to the Me Too movement in that sense that oh, it was so oh. empowering for people that I can imagine all these young people too kind of disclosing on their social media and not always realizing, wait, mm-hmm. like so and so's going to see this or like yeah, you exactly. can't, you can't kind of unwrite something even though exactly. fortunately on Facebook you can delete it. Right. That, that is, that is one good thing. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's definitely everything about disclosing is so complicated. I mean, I, 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 I have disclosed, but that's been a whole, a whole, uh, difficult, uh, journey, I guess, you know, with the consequences that come along with that. I mean, it's been so important for me to speak my truth, but it's definitely uh, not to be done lightly because there's always some type of uh, backfire, I guess. Yeah, it's a painful, complicated, charged topic for, I think, most survivors. And I think it's something that's so sort of glossed over generally in society. Like people, even in the world of therapy, it's like, we just talk about disclosure like it's like eating breakfast, like, oh, someone disclosed. Like, it's a huge deal when someone articulates the words of their experience, especially when there's so much stigma and isolation and shame, self-blame that keeps people silent. So breaking through that and then getting a negative response from anyone is just traumatizing. Yeah, it's like like how people react is almost as traumatizing as... Absolutely. At least in my experience, it was the way that people reacted when I disclosed, it was it was so horrifying that I, I clamped right back up for another, I don't know, ten years until I've wow. been facing it again. Yeah. So it's just it's it's really I mean, it's so hard to know like how to react to a disclosure, but hopefully the more that we talk about it, I mean I'm so glad you have this podcast. It's it'll continue to be talked about more and more and people will learn how to react, not that there's really a good or right reaction, but just realizing what not to do. Yeah, I think I I couldn't agree more. I think the more we talk about it, perhaps, you know, someone will listen to this and they'll think twice when they're responding to someone who's disclosing and think about how, how meaningful their response is. Just I always tell people when they're sometimes we don't know what to say in life and someone tells us something hard and that something very simple like how can I help or what yeah. what do you need you know I'm I'm sorry that, that happened to you I know right. I know what it's like too when someone says something really scary or devastating and tragic and I don't know what to say like we all have those moments but I think this experience has taught me and I'm sure you like what empathy looks like because I think we oh, have to totally. we have to cultivate that for ourselves in this healing work. Right. It's so it's so true though. This has all helped me uh be just a more and more compassionate person and there yeah, there's just there's just really not always the right thing to say, but just letting them know that we support them and I mean the people that have told me they, they believe me, they're here for me. It's like sometimes I just wanna sit in silence and be sad with a friend and that's totally the most helpful thing for me at that time. But yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I, I've yeah. had experiences of depression in my life and even in recent years, and it's, again, interesting how hard it is for people to kind of show up because people don't know what to say or do, and it's really that, like, being able to be with someone's sadness that is the most exactly. important thing, just being yeah. there in person, like showing up right. and being there to help with the laundry or 
just being there to, to cry or just give someone a hug. It's not necessarily saying the right thing. It's just being present and, and like recognizing that depression and trauma and this stuff does not heal overnight. So for me, having people in my life understand that it's ongoing doesn't mean that it's forever and I'll always like need this kind of support, but that, that it's really deep work. Yeah. Olympic, Olympic award-winning skier who says that she thinks that healing from sexual abuse is what really deserves like an Olympic medal not just her skiing and when she said that I got chills because I was like yeah we are Olympian this is we're bad difficult <laughs> yeah we are we are, we are. We are. so on that note tell me more about the eastern methods that you've discovered I know you've tried lots of different things and have found some other things things that we haven't talked about yet something yeah you're talking yeah, about mm-hmm. totally um I mean so for a while, I was trying, you know, all the different Western methods and just different forms of therapy, different medications, but really nothing was working for me. If anything, they were making things worse. Um, like I said, I have sleep issues, and I know probably most survivors can relate. Uh, so I, I tried so many different things for that. Um, and then I started researching more just about uh, Eastern methods and different things, which I was already into yoga and meditation, not really Qigong yet, but I started looking into, you know, the the medicines that they use, different things, and uh, I was learning a lot about different plant medicines, one specifically uh, called ayahuasca uh, was really appealing to me because I watched a few documentaries and found all this research about how it it could be equivalent to, like, 10 years of therapy. well, who wouldn't want that? Right, exactly. And it was I, this was uh, two years ago, and I was just desperate. Like I just, I just felt like I was, I was constantly in huge bouts of depression, just using so many unhealthy, unhealthy coping mechanisms, which totally I, I needed to survive my childhood. But it was just, it was, I was just so stuck, and you know, I'm sure that's relatable. Um, and so I started reading about ayahuasca, uh, and I, I had a, a friend at the time who was also very interested in plant medicine for different reasons, but it had always just appealed to him. Uh, so we found this uh, place in Peru in the Amazon uh, called the Rainforest Healing Center. Um, and we definitely did just, you know, so much thorough research to make sure it was a safe place, like the right place, because ayahuasca is a a really intense experience and we wanted to make sure we were doing it in the the most healing way um so they have had a really long like interview application process because they you know they want to make sure you know what you're getting into um and there's a lot of people that go there uh, for ptsd related things um and so we, we went I to have, I have to confess, Hillary, that when you were talking about it with me earlier, I kind of laughed to myself because I totally had a similar experience of hearing about it and getting really intrigued and mentioning it to a therapist. And they had like a kind of freak out reaction more than I'd ever seen them kind of talk in my life. They never <laughs> give me like directive kind of don't do this um, response. Really? But, but it was a lot of fear. And I think not really knowing much about it, I think the person... Yeah. The person later kind of came back because there's been a lot more research recently on 
Yeah. I think things like MDMA for trauma and oh, so and just making sure you have like support and I appreciate your question of is this going to be like a healing place for me because there is so much like I don't know it's a it's a big deal to do something like that and just in general I have a mentor Donna who's been on the show who says as a guiding kind of question in her life she she says is this going to be healing for me so like any decision I make in my life whether it's the difficulty in saying no to uh, going on a bachelorette party with a friend, you know, just right. really checking in with myself. Like, is this Self-care. healing for me? Is going home for a holiday what I need right now? So I just appreciate right. that you didn't just jump into this. You really spent time thinking if it was the right time for you. Absolutely. And, I and you know, like at first I was like, yeah, like I'm going to do this. I'm ready. And my friend's like, okay, well, let's let's really think about it and, even through all that research and stuff, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I, I know exactly what I'm getting into, but I, I still did it, and I don't think you can ever be quite prepared for something so intense like that. Um, but it was it was incredible. Uh, and also, I want to mention, uh, Michael Pollan recently came out with a, a new book called uh, How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, depression and transcendence. So there's definitely a lot more going on with uh, plant medicine and, and psychedelics and things like that. Now he's working towards trying to legalize it here. It is legal. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah I heard I him on NPR recently, and I, I see yeah. the link, but I haven't gotten to read it yet. That's super exciting. He's going to oh, get a lot yeah. of exposure for, for these important healing modalities. Right, and he's so, like, well-respected. I So, you know, him doing it and talking about it it's, it's it's a huge difference and I'm like halfway through the book right now and it's incredible and definitely has brought me back to my experiences in Peru and just how important that was for me to do um, but there's this whole diet you follow for like a month before and then while you're there and a month after um, I was there for 10 days and did three ceremonies uh, there's a shaman. He makes it like a very sacred space, and we're all, there were seven of us doing it in the, the tambo, and then the shaman and three facilitators who work there and are there to help you if you are struggling or just need any help with anything whatsoever. Um, it's all about setting an intention uh, with what you want to work on during that experience, uh, what you're focusing on, and when I went there, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to, to forgive and just to, just to be done with this trauma. <laughs> <laughs> just to, I'll be healed. I'll, I'll go and I'll get cured and I, everything will be fine. And <laughs> so my intention was, you know, to just heal. And Ayahuasca pretty much was like, oh, no, no. Uh, and showed me that I, I hadn't really even faced it at all yet. Like I, I thought I had faced it and recognized it, but... It helped me dive into uh, just my unhealthy patterns and behaviors with, like, toxic relationships and just other things that I had been using up until then to, to cope and to survive, which was absolutely necessary. But ayahuasca kind of, like, just pushed me and, and forced me to go deeper than I felt I could do on my own. And it was definitely parts of it were terrifying and 
intense and there's a lot of uh, purging. Like they give you your own bucket to puke into and I'd be... Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I can tell that, I mean, there's probably so much more to say about this in particular. I, I know from hearing a friend write me emails about their experiences that it's like kind of hard to do justice to the experience, but I appreciate your sharing that it wasn't yeah. kind of like the quick fix that maybe you would naturally, understandably want it to have, but that it was a powerful healing experience for you that you obviously recommend for those who it's appropriate exactly. for. Yeah, even even like you know, like I said, it was it was like exactly two years ago, and I'm I'm still processing things I learned there, and still putting them into practice. And the place I went to definitely prepared us for that. Like they're like, you know, you're you might feel good now, but it's it's really hard to go back and reintegrate everything you learned into your life. And it it took me a while when I got back, but I'm really really grateful that I was able to do that. And it's still continuing to help me so yeah it's that's so wonderful <laughs> yeah well yeah. we'll talk again definitely I'm curious to hear so much more about that and just to close for this conversation um, which I wish could go on forever what does the podcast title transforming trauma mean to you yeah it means it means so much I mean I've been listening to this podcast regularly and it's been it's been so helpful to my healing and I know it's definitely different for everyone but for me it's just I guess finding a way to accept the trauma I've experienced and like embrace it um just I mean going through all the stages of grief all that is so essential and sometimes I'm cycling through them but just finding ways to embrace the fact that I'm a survivor and not a victim and instead of wallowing in my pain, which is definitely necessary to do at sometimes to just cry and, and feel all the pain, but uh, just being able to find a way to transform that into a sign of strength and just uh, recognizing the, the good things that I have in my life and also recognizing how far I've come because uh, I get I get really caught up when I'm comparing myself to others but when I stop that and just compare myself to where I am now versus three months ago a year ago five years ago I'm just like wow this is amazing I'm doing amazing and and then just using that and, and finding ways to talk about it more and help people when I can survivors especially but just all people who need healing um, and just remembering I'm not alone. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful to have connected with you and all the other survivors I've been finding more and more. The more I uh, let myself into the community, it, it's, been, it's been incredible and I'm very thankful uh, for all the people I've connected with that have helped me and been a part of my journey to healing. Wow. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much, Hillary. Kind of got Thank the chills you. hearing you say that. Um, it's it's too. It makes me sad. I could say so much about this that there's so few young people in some of the drop-in groups that I've found in in the area of Boston because I don't know what that means except that our mental health care system is is broken and there's so much stigma and services can be so unaffordable and uh, I just I hope that the Me Too movement and more conversations like this inspire people to find their own community and support 
whatever that looks like, finding ways to remember that they're not alone. So thank you for what you're doing to help survivors and support survivors like you've done with me just through your generosity and kindness. Um, I'm so glad that we met. And please, everyone who's listening, go to the show notes to get links for the the book and the podcast that we referenced. Anything else that Hillary wants to pass on, we'll put those links in there. So thanks again for being a guest on Transforming Trauma. It was great to talk to you. Of course. Thank you. It was so good to talk to you. You're amazing. And I'm so thankful. I mean, you've been a huge inspiration to me. And uh, it's just really gotten me more involved. And I I believe in us. And I believe in in the future. And thank you. Yes, we we are badass, as you said. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in and joining us. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the incredible resources on the site. Please subscribe to the podcast and we have much more to share. Until next time.